Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And spring is here. We finally, I mean, last week, it kind of last weekend, it sort of hit. You're seeing uh, the wild cherries of that prunus. There's a white flower out in the forest. It's in full bloom. Right after that, about the same time, a cousin of that purple leaf plum. So it's got a pink flower. And then when, the, when it's done, it has a purple leaf that kind of forms. That is starting to open up. And so that's kind of the leading edge. Forsythia. A bright gold shrub, up to about head high or so. They were often they were often trimmed down to hip high or so, but covered in yellow flowers. And so you're you're seeing that uh, the uh, flowering heath or, or um, heather is an alpine perennial, gets about knee high, covered in pink flowers, pink red to white flowers. Depends on what model it is, but in full bloom. So spring. These are all indications that it's we're here. And so the daffodils are up, got to be eight inches. Tulips are up. So they aren't in bloom yet, but they will be by next week. So it's right here. This is when things are really going. And so we had some snow flurries kind of earlier last week. Now we're, this weekend it hit, uh, last weekend it hit nice weather. And now we're starting to flirt with 70 degrees. I like the pattern that's showing up. As far as for fruit trees and flowering shrubs, if we slowly warm up and we don't have these violent, it's really warm, now it's freezing cold, that messes with plants. And so your blooms don't last as long. It can take some flowers off your fruit trees. It can take some fruit off if it goes that that extreme. If we slowly work our way up, it's teased the ball up. It could really be a great spring, long spring bloomers, lots of fruit, lots of grapes, lots of berries. The flowers will bloom longer, brighter, faster. So things are really actively working right now. And it looks like the weather pattern is, I don't know, just ideal. It's ideal. This is an ideal time to garden. I couldn't say, you couldn't ask for a better window to start putting from shade trees to fruit trees to shrubs to to evergreens it is just ideal plants love they have less transplant shock when they have this time of temperate weather it's not too hot it's not too cold it's just right this is a goldilocks moment anyway this is we're starting to see too um, my uh, winter blooming um, winter blooming jasmine is in full bloom my gopher spurge so there's a whole series of, of euphorbias or sedums. These are low-growing, kind of like cactus in how hardy they are, only without the thorns. And so yuccas could sort of kind of be there, but these are shorter than that. So your euphorbias and your which gopher spurge, rainbow ascot euphorbia, these, they're, rel- they're cousins of each other. Gopher spurge, the rumor is you plant one gopher plant. That's what the name, that's a common name is. One gopher plant in the yard keeps gophers away. That, that is not true. That does not have. I've tried it. They don't eat the roots of gopher plant, but it doesn't repel gophers. I guess you'd have to have a field of them to really repel them. Uh, but, but it is pretty. It's super drought hardy. 
It's got this blue kind of prehistoric foliage. It screams I'm from Arizona. And it's in full color right now. Bright yellow flowers are covering that particular plant. The rainbow ascot euphorbia is much like it. It actually is covered, not covered. It's starting to have flowers emerge. So it's elongating. So the flower buds are, are, are there. But it's got kind of a Dr. Seuss looking flower to it. The flower is exactly the same color as the foliage. It's really cool. Starting to flower. So starting to go. So, so spring is here. It's starting to happen. You plant those with an underplanting of like sedum. Sedums are generally really low growing. So they're going to be ground hugging. There's blues and burgundies and chartreuse. There's all kinds of these really rough and tumble like, like rock garden kind of plants. They're all active. They're loving this kind of weather. Pansies, snapdragons are starting to elongate and starting to set flowers. So spring is here. If you're thinking about gardening, it's time. It is definitely time to put your onions, garlics, uh, your, your lettuce, spinach, these early spring plants, it is, I mean, you don't want to wait too long or you can miss the window on it. So really those things should be in by the end of March for sure. Uh, first week in April, I mean, that's, then you're really pushing the limits of that crop. You, you, you need to get them in right away. So those, those are things that are happening. Right now, you have got a huge opportunity for your flowering shrubs. So we are in an, uh, a zone, the Central Highlands area. And the Central Highlands, I would say, is 35, 3,800 foot level and above, up to about 6,500 feet. So that includes Highland Pines and Groom Creek all the way down to Camp Verde, Jerome, Cottonwood, Sedona, Dewey, Humboldt, and everyone in between. So obviously Hillside, Kirkland, those areas. The spring season, it's, it's cool enough in the winter to really set the stage for plants like lilacs. You will find, you will not find a, a better selection of lilacs than right now. Now through the end of April or so, you've got a great selection of lilacs. Lilacs need winter. They need the cold to set that flower bud. So people down in Phoenix and Tucson, they want to grow it, but it can't. It's, it doesn't get cold enough for them to set that flower bud, but we do. And then we're so mild that it's got a very long bloom cycle, that, that fragrant, lilac fragrance. Oh, your grandparents grew one that was called the common lilac. But there's so many. She would be jealous, totally jealous of all the varieties you've got access. There's white and yellows and reds and pinks. There's dwarf varieties. We're finding more and more dwarf. Generally, lilacs grow up well above head high. They can almost get too big. For certain areas, then you've got to have you got to have a pruning technique to keep them back down to head height or so. Now, they're naturally going to go to 8, 10, 12 feet, but if you want them down to chest high or head high, you're going to have to prune them after they're done blooming. You got to prune them back real hard, then fertilize them. They'll they'll kind of fill back out. But there's all these dwarf varieties like uh, bloomerang. Bloomerang is it's a series of repeat blooming dwarf varieties of lilacs that are magical. They only get up, I've got one that's maybe six years old, and it's only hip high, if that, maybe it's three feet, by about four feet wide, and it has the same fragrant blue or purple, there's a couple colors, flower. It, the flower's a little shorter because it is a dwarf, but it makes up for it in sheer quantity. There's, there's three times as many flowers on this 
Bloomerang Lilac. This is your window. If you wanted more fragrance and color and brightness and butterflies and hummingbirds and magic in the garden, and you're going to do that with a lilac, this is the time. This is the best time. Now, as we get into, into let's say, summer, let's say June, I'll have lilacs, but I'll have two varieties, and they'll be up both common. I'll run out of the dwarfs for sure. I mean, that dwarf variety is... It's like perfect for a lot of locations. It grows in containers. It grows out in the yard. It's versatile. Raised beds. So I, I tend to run out of that crop. And the, once a crop rotation is out, there's no way to go hit the button and make more. Not until next year. I mean, you have to forecast 9, 10, 12, 3 years ahead of time of when you want how many you think you're going to sell. Once that crop is done, there's there can't I'm going to go on the internet. <laughs> go ahead. There's no more of them. I guarantee you there's none. So they're out till next year. But I'll have the common lilacs, maybe one or two blue, like blue sky or Mr. Lincoln or sensation. I'll have a couple varieties, but now, oh my goodness. Uh forsythia. Same thing. There's a dwarf varieties of forsythia. It's this bright gold uh, looking uh, it's a flowering shrub right now. It gets up about head high or so. Um, there's, there's, there's a couple varieties. Really, we're breeding that for flower size. So we're trying to create some that have bigger, brighter, longer lasting flowers. So you see a couple varieties that way. But forsythia, every yard should have one because it sets a stage. It's, the, it's a shrub that blooms right before lilac does so about the time that one's done then the lilacs come on so there's this rotation of color through spring great time to plant create great selection of spring blooming shrubs and trees at, at your garden centers now be right back with lisa watersline and your garden questions after this you've been listening to the mountain gardener with ken lane owner of waters garden center in prescott join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters' 60th Spring Open House. COVID is over with a record number of Waters farmers showing off their newest, brightest flowers all weekend. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday is impromptu garden classes, plant garden giveaways, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 60th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 11th through 13th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants of March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heat, Rosemary Creeper, Fanciful Forsythia, and Prescott Pansy. Prescott Pansy's giant three-inch flowers thrive in extreme March gardens. Large velvety blooms dazzle with radiant colors of blue, violet, yellow, and variations of stripes that look like smiling faces and love being planted in March. Shop the brightest spring flowers in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, and his lovely assistant, <laughs> bride of 35 years, business partner, actually the general manager of Waters Garden Center, my wife, Lisa Waters Lane. She Thank comes you. in each week and answers your garden questions. Hey, Lise. Well, I ask the questions, you answer them. Well, okay, that's good. <laughs> you gather them up, you collect them throughout the week, and then broadcast them over the yes. northern Arizona airwaves, mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. We've been sure. doing this for 
forever. Long time. We had a, uh, a great turnout for oh. your father's memorial yes. for a celebration of life. It was a, the whole community was there. It's kind of fun to see friends. Kids are flown in from all over the place, which is kind of the, that's the most fun. So remembering <laughs> is always good because your it dad is. was a great guy. Yeah. In fact, uh, later in the show, I've got him. I, I rounded up a oh. segment on fruit trees we did a couple of cool. years ago. Nice. I'm going to rebroadcast that so you can yeah. hear Harold's voice right here in the community. I was listening to it before you came in the studio. It's really good. So, yeah. and great information yeah. if you're into fruit trees. So anyway, that's, yeah. thank you everyone for supporting us. That's super. It meant a lot to the family. We appreciate that. That is true. Well, want to go over garden questions or <laughs> yes. where are you at? Let's change the topic. How are you feeling, by the way? You sound a little. Allergies are going nuts. So deep, <laughs> a little bit deep, deeper voice, but you know, just kind of. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I don't get allergies anytime for that kind of statement. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> Guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> All right. Let's move on to questions. So Susan would like to know if she can grow pomegranate and persimmons Oh. In the Prescott area. Oh, sure you can. Yeah. Oh, so so pomegranates are are famous on a Tucson, Phoenix, those areas summer. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a real bright, hot spot in your yard, they'll grow up here. There's there's a couple varieties we sell here that are cold hardy. Again, there's a lot of pomegranates. You want mm -hmm. one that takes that cold, a zone seven, a good strong seven mm -hmm. zone, which means it can go down to 10 degrees, five degrees or so, and it will still fruit. Pomegranates don't get quite as large here, so they'll get up head high or so mm -hmm. down the deserts. Here they're a little shorter. Think hip high or so, but that same beautiful red fruit, glorious flower, bright red flowers. Persimmons actually do even better. They really do well up here, and they don't get the disease stuff, that mm -hmm. the leaf spots and the curls that the south or some of the, the east coast get. So we actually grow persimmons even better here than you do can you can other places. Good. So absolutely, lots of persimmons. We've got all the fruit tree selections here for you. So yes, you can do both. Cover okay. it all. I would say fertilize right now. Plant them now before they leaf out, and then fertilize all your fruit trees no matter mm -hmm. what. Uh, but that'll really get you. It feels like it's going to be a good fruit year. I hope so. That'd be so. nice. You betcha. All right. Our next question is from Mike in Prescott Valley. Hey, Mike. He wants to know, is there a way to stop a KV plum tree from producing those pesky plums? <laughs> he loves the tree. He loves the blooms, but it's right next to his driveway. Yeah. So, so purple leaf plum. This is just for listeners that aren't, aren't I mean, Mike's struggling. Mm -hmm. So purple leaf plum is, is a very famous plant up here. In fact, they're starting to bloom in the racks yeah. here at the garden center. Uh, they, they come out with this bright pink flower and they're starting to bloom all around town. And then after they're done blooming, they start to form a purple leaf, mm -hmm. thus the name purple leaf plum. And it stays purple right through fall. Mm -hmm. So it's a deciduous plant. So it gets up maybe, I don't know, 15 feet, 16 feet tall, kind of a short tree, vase shaped, hardy as can be. Animals don't eat it. It's a great tree. It is an ornamental plum in that it's meant to have the flowers, but when the spring comes, it's supposed to take off that fruit and burn off the, the, the so the foliage isn't so the foliage comes out, but the flowers don't set fruit. Right. We're so mild up here that some years they actually set fruit, and generally it used to be about every third or fourth year. Mm -hmm. The, the winters have been mild enough and ramped up slow enough that they've been fruiting for the last couple of years. They've yeah. fruited consistently. It's like a cherry-sized fruit. It's not a true plum. It's a smaller, like a cherry-sized mm -hmm. plum. Very sweet. It's got a kind of a tart 
uh, skin, but uh, mm -hmm. real flavorful, really sweet innards. You could make jams and jellies out of it, but really, you really put that one in there. Not to have fruit, but to have. So right. now we set the stage. Mike, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> right next to that might have been the wrong tree for the driveway. Yeah. Come talk to us next time. We'll help you not plant it in the wrong place. Uh, there, there, there's not a lot you can do. Um, there's a fruit eliminator or what do they call that? I don't think Florel. Florel. Mm -hmm. You could spray Florel. It's a liquid onto the foliage when it's in bloom. So, mm -hmm. so uh, maybe in another week or two, spray it when it's starting to set fruit, and it will drop the fruit on that tree. Right. <coughs> God, <Oops>. allergies. <laughs> Where's the cough button when you need it? <laughs> Florel is what you do. Right. And and do it while it's in bloom. Yes, that's the secret. So bloom, Full spray bloom. it right there, and it'll drop all its full and all, all of its uh, blooms, mm -hmm. and it won't set fruit. Okay. Yep, that's how you do it. All Otherwise, right. you go out there and pay the grandkids like a dollar. Hey, we'll make a goldfish run, <laughs> or we'll go candy bar. Here's a bucket. Go pick all the fruit off, and uh, we'll go have fun afterwards. We'll climb the boulders. We'll go skydiving. Don't tell your mom. <laughs> I think we have to have permission to skydive. We'll see on that. All right. So Richard has a question. He's in Prescott, and he pulled out a bunch of diseased Lalandi cypress. Okay. Ouch. And he wants to know, Poor is Richard. it safe to put in the Arizona cypress in the oh, same spot? Yeah, that's actually a good question. So Leland cypress, so for folks that know, if you've got big Leland cypress, this is a, a, a very common plant 20 years ago. We stopped selling it probably mm -hmm. 10 years ago. You'll still find it sold in a box store. Don't buy from a box store. You'll still find them offered, but there's a canker, a disease that's going after the every every single living Leland cypress. This is a big tree up to 20 feet tall, maybe 20 feet wide. We use it for screens and windbreaks, and we are predicting every single Leland will be dead in the county okay. within a few years. Right. So you'll see them work. And there's nothing you can do. There's no cure. So all you can do is prolong the death and then cut it down and get it out of there. We have not seen that canker migrate over to other species. It's unique. It likes the flavor of Leland cypress specifically. Mm -hmm. That's why we stopped selling that particular one. So I think you could plant directly in there an Arizona cypress or a Deodore cedar or a or a Spartan juniper, some another variety, but and it would Italian be perfectly cypress. fine. Italian cypress would be fine. We are, we're not seeing that on there. Um, and I, okay, I've seen like one case where it came over to Arizona cypress, but the thing was so stressed, the people right. had so abused it that it that it collapsed and, and it became weak and, and succumbed to it. Right. But if you're keeping it healthy, we have not seen that migration of that canker over from Leland cypress to other species. Mm -hmm. So I would say you could plant that out. Um, if you can dig the roots out, great. You know, I mean, sometimes you can. Those big trees, they get massive roots. <laughs> but if you could get that out of there, that would help you. Mm -hmm. It'll help it grow because as roots rot in the ground, they keep other roots from, from growing into that space. It's a way of the forest spacing itself out. And so if you can dig those out, you're, the next plant you put in there will take better. Mm -hmm. So anyway, come see us for more. We can help you, Richard. Yes, you can do that. Do okay. it. Go for it. Well, for the first time ever, I'm out of questions and we still oh. have time left. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, did you notice our peonies are growing like yes. crazy right now? Every day I look at them, they're like two or three inches taller. I mean, they're actively growing. People yeah. don't realize you can grow peony mm -hmm. so 
easy here. Oh my gosh, yes. So the secret with peony, in fact, we grow them better than the Midwest does. And they're famous mm -hmm. there. We grow them better here uh, because it's dry. And so they like this altitude, the bright sun mm -hmm. and the dryness. So we don't get the leaf spot. Uh, we don't get some of the diseases <laughs> that come on them. So yeah, peonies, people think peonies are really hard to grow, No, but they're not. Just yeah. give them a well-drained, bright spot to put their roots down and they're happy as can be. The secret is well-drained. Right. As long as it's well-drained, if it sits in heavy clay, it's got a real fleshy root and that's what makes it so drought hardy. Uh, you may have to stake them in the wind. If you're up on those hill, right. windy areas, you might have to stake them. But it's easy to do. So Get a tomato cage and put it. There you go. <laughs> Ken and Lisa Lane, the Mountain Gardeners, right back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, aka the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion Plants of March are Prescott Pansies, Mountain Heath, Rosemary Creeper, Fanciful Forsythia, and Oklahoma Redbud. Oklahoma Redbud grows to just 16 feet tall. This local native is super easy to grow. Vibrant red flowers cloak the branches of early spring. Luscious heart-shaped leaves emerge with a soft pink tinge that matures to a vibrant green. Shop the brightest blooming trees in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So if there's any advice I can give new folks, new, new people here to Arizona, first year at this elevation, starting to grow gardens. And let's say you bought a house from someone and it's, it's, it's 20 years old. The landscape can be a bit overgrown or it is fully mature. Uh, you really do want to care for those plants. It's a time to remodel. You can pull some old things out, probably needs it. Some of your native trees, like the pinyon pines and ponderosas and elms, they probably need a professional touch. It's time to prune those things back. I would say prune, clean things up in the next now two, three, four weeks. This is your season for cleaning things up. And then fertilize things, especially your evergreens. The evergreens, it didn't get that cold this winter. We had one, one cold cycle, and that was for a couple days, and then it was warm. I mean, relatively speaking to winter. So normally we can go down to single digits, zero degrees I've seen several times. That's cold. That kind of cold kills off the predators that go after and eat you know, insects that eat things like your ponderosa pines, pinyon pines, junipers. So you really do want to care for those. New subdivisions, if you've got um, brand new landscapes, you just want them to fill in faster. You want them to look better. So you want them to look fuller. I don't, 
so they're just simply feeding those plants right now will help encourage more maturity, more growth, bulk up faster uh, for this season. So you get the most out of this growing season. You get the most out of that privacy screen, those shade trees, those spring blooming, summer blooming shrubs. Fertilizing, I can't emphasize that enough, how important that is. We fertilize more here in the mountains of Arizona than anywhere else in the country because our soils are so bad. Uh, we water so much. And there's just no nutrients naturally occurring in your landscape, in your soil, the dirt. You, When you dig a hole, you won't even find one worm. I mean, just it's so, so lacking of everything vital to helping plants to grow. And so you'll need to replenish that. And that's why we encourage when you plant, you want to plant, you want to add some compost. We call it water's premium mulch. We screen down this really fine grade organic that helps to supercharge the soil. So the, the mycorrhizals will come back, will repopulate that living organism that's, that attaches to the roots of the plants and help it to grow and flush new roots. Not only that, we encourage you to add compost. We actually put mycorrhizal colonies into our plants. So the roots already have them there. If we give them any kind of organics, to feed off of in the surrounding soil, they're naturally going to attach to the to the roots, the plant's roots, and start to elongate into those surrounding soils. It's kind of the magic why our plants live. We got this very sophisticated. You don't see that with the plant. Red tip photinia is a red tip photinia. That's not true. The soil is where all the activity, the roots of that plant are there, where the magic really happens when you're going to grow a fresh new apple tree or, or new maple or spruce tree it's so much more than that but getting that soil right is going to make a difference right now you really want to be fertilizing add some organic plant food and so fertilizer i gotta i gotta for you folks from the south and the midwest you think that's just manure i'm not talking fertilizer is manure there's a place for that and we've got some really good poop in a bag but i'm really talking about a more balanced even uh, with some micronutrients. So we've got nitrogen, phosphorus, potash, and iron, and magnesium, and sulfur. We have the whole palette. The, the, so it's, if you're thinking in terms of people at a fine, fine dining experience, we've got a, an appetizer, a main dish, a after dish, a soup, a salad, and a dessert all in one plant food. And that's what plants will feed off of. The beauty with an organic food is it slowly breaks down as the mycorrhizal colonies break that food down and liquefy it and bring it down into the into the root zone the plants are able to pick up more of that food over a much longer period of time it really works so we make our we make a couple so i make a, a, a 744 all-purpose plant food if you're not sure what to use use that one it's granular you spread it out in the yard it's a game changer for things, especially evergreens. Oh, they really like that stuff. Your natives, that those native trees, feed those at least once this year. Do it in the spring. It's when you get the most benefit of that, of that elongated growth. Pine trees generally, spruce, cypress, they generally only flush one set of growth. And, and when spring's done, that's it. There is no more. It's going to lock into place, and that's all you get for this year. So to elongate that, to make it as healthy as you can right now, that's going to, it's going to help that plant to mitigate some of the damage that was done by 
the bark beetles and the ips borers, the flathead borers, the tip borers, all the things that eat pine trees. They're, they weren't killed off this winter. It's really bad. Spar uh, pinion pine scale, it's, it's really bad. So you really do want to protect those. I'd mentioned last week, also at the same time, putting plant protector. There's a there's a liquid antibiotic, basically. You can pour right around the trunk of the tree and the plant will absorb this and it takes out the insects that might be burrowing into the trunk, burrowing into the tips or up to the, the needles. I would do that at the same time. It's, it's going to be, I just don't want to, this in June, to be helping a wave of customers uh, with, with problems that could have been solved by doing some things right now. It makes a big difference. Well, we've got uh, Lisa Watersling coming back in the studio with her segment right after this. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations, guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters' 60th Spring Open House. COVID is over, with a record number of Waters farmers showing off their newest, brightest flowers all weekend. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday, it's impromptu garden classes, plant garden giveaways, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 60th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 11th through 13th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants for March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heath, Prescott Pansies, Fanciful Forsythia, and Rosemary Creeper. Rosemary Creeper is a local favorite for rock gardens, ground cover, or spilling over retaining walls. But not all local rosemary is created equal. This one lives where others die. Knowing you can also use it in the kitchen is sheer bliss. Shop the freshest organic herbs in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And back in the studio, these are actually my favorite two segments. I get to spend it with my favorite gal in all the world, Lisa Waters Lane. She comes in each week and just shares what's going on in her gardens, what she's helping customers, what she sees in the local gardens. And it gets a, a, a different perspective than just some guy that's some, than just me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I listened to the show way early on. We, we this is, this show's been on for twenty years. Early on, like years two, and I went started listening to the show. I'm going, God, it's so monotone. It's just one guy, and I'm entertaining even to myself. Yes, you are. But uh, <laughs> I'm going. It's kind of flat. It's just one male voice over. Yeah. We need something softer. And I. It took me like a year and a half to talk you into. <laughs> Lisa's the ultimate introvert. She yes. doesn't want to get on and be in front of anyone. She's happy being behind the scenes and making sure you look good, which what I love about you. But then she came on and the show has been better for the last 18 years. Well, thank you. Thank you, dear. That's You're welcome. very kind. Well, it's true. Sometimes the truth <laughs> is kind. Sometimes it's sometimes brutal. It's not. <laughs> no. Anyway, what do you got for us today? So uh, I just want to say a shout out to everybody who came to our open house last weekend. Yeah. Uh, it was beautiful. The weather was beautiful. Yeah. The hot dogs were amazing. Uh, the vendors were there talking about their plants and, and just really giving us all an education. Yeah. On their different aspects that they handle in their nursery yards. And 
um, we were busy. It was wonderful. It was really busy. Yeah. People were yeah. waiting to get out. It had snowed like four times right. that week. Snow flurries. Right. And then I saw, I was worried. I'm going, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. we got all this marketing. We loaded up with so many employees. Right. I wonder if anyone will come and the whole count, <laughs> the whole county caves. It was awesome. Yeah. So it was, it was, everything came together beautifully. And we thank everybody who came. You know, what was interesting. I heard a lot of feedback from the Saturday class. So uh -huh. at 930, we, we live streamed the class. Yeah. It was packed. Yeah. Uh, but I interviewed each of the, the growers mm -hmm. and, and these are nerdy folks. They are not used to, to retail. They're not used to people. <laughs> they rarely get to a garden center and talk yeah. to anyone. They just talk to, Plants. Yeah, plant, plants <laughs> and the people that grow plants. Yeah. And so I, I interviewed each one of them. There were mm -hmm. nine of them from compost to tree growers, to flower growers, to mm -hmm. tomato growers, to native growers. And we, it was re people really like that. Open the curtains up mm -hmm. and let's see behind the industry. What, what right. really goes on. Yeah. I mean, Chris uh, Shipley down at Savano's nursery, good friend of mine for 22 years. Yeah. Um, he has his family owned a, a very, they basically all native plants that go in the Southwest, they grow them. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's going, yeah, I got several patents. There's this new thing coming up. We were, he was just teased us right and left <laughs> on uh, what is up and coming. A new two new varieties of desert willows, new uh, yuccas. So he's yeah. developing these mm -hmm. new like these new plants and then introduces them that we get to sell them so yeah. anyway it's just fun to, to hear that how they do it how they come up with things so yeah. yes but big shout out thank you to everybody yeah who helped us with that absolutely so what do you think so i redid all my pots so we have you sure on did. the front patio what do we have like 15 yeah pots, something like that i've stopped counting it's, <laughs> it's too discouraging oh, it's a lot it's not discouraging anyways it was time to redo them so the the plants that i had had them in them last fall had yeah. just they were done they did their thing and they were done it was time to redo them so it made Fresh me think about up. you know some tips and tricks that i can give people to redo their pots because this is definitely time to get those spring bloomers out in there uh, we're out back enjoying our yards and it's time to redo those pots so the first thing you want to do is pull out the dead or the old plants pull, pull, bring out your dead, <laughs> bring out your dead. Monty python oh my god so a lot of my pots <laughs> i have perennials and annuals so perennials come back every year they may right. go dormant in the winter time some do some don't but the annuals they do their one big show and then they're done so i was pulling those out getting those out of there um you want to make sure you get all the root mass out of there so you, you a lot of times when you start pulling things out you get this big clump of roots and you want to make sure you're pulling that out of there because it's just going to interfere yeah. with the new plants that you're putting in there so on my pots that i have my perennials in that i want to keep you know i pull out my old ones um i usually end up putting more fresh soil in fresh potting soil because that soil's been depleted it's been uh, a lot of the minerals and nutrients in it have been used by the previous plant. So always refresh your soils. Um, the other thing is a lot of the potting soils are have peat moss in them. And when that peat moss dries out, it's, it's a challenge to really get it hydrated again. So you always want to make sure your pots are well watered. So get that soil nice and moist. Put your fresh soil in there uh, and get that nice and moistened as well. It's always a good idea to put in the Aqua Boost crystals because you should describe those. So what the Aqua Boost crystals are little polymers that um, when they get moist water to them, they swell up 
Uh, and then they we also have they also have a lot of mycorrhizals in there, which help with root development, so make a stronger plant. But as as they just release a little bit of water at as a time as they as a, as they dry out, so they're just really helpful in our climate. Uh, just because we are so dry, we're so arid, and that sun can really start baking things later on in the season. So I always put my Aqua Boost crystals in. I always put a little bit of the all-purpose food in because that's that meat and potatoes. That's yeah. that big diet thing that they're going to be eating on as they grow. So it's really important to have that. There again, you want strong, healthy plants because that's what's going to get you through more of the hotter seasons that we get. So I always mix all that in there to take a trowel and just, you know, mix it all up. So it's nice and mixed and even make sure it's moist. And then the other thing you got to really pay attention to is the plants that you're going to be putting into those pots, your containers, make sure they're watered as well. So don't put a dry plant. No. They're put a moist plant into your, before right. you plant it. Mm -hmm. Can I make, I'm tracking. Yeah. So make sure you put that, that plant's been watered, even though you're going to be potting it and you're probably thinking, well, why do I need to water it? Yeah. It's just really important. You want hydrated roots going into that soil because if you put dry roots in there, they're going to start pulling that water out of the pot. So you're just kind of creating an issue you don't need to. So make sure it's nice and moist. The other thing I would say is when you put your soil in there, always put more than you think you're going to need Yeah, because, uh, you know, when you, through the season, that soil tends to compact and move through. And the next thing you know, you're, you know, your, your flowers are like five inches down <laughs> from where you started. So I always start with more soil in there than probably it's going to look like, Oh my gosh, the water is going to overflow. But it's, it's really important to do that. Otherwise your plants are just going to seek down in there and you won't get to see them as much. Yeah. And then also, you know, I always play with them how I want them to look before I officially plant them in there, even while they're still in their containers. I will um, organize them in my pot or display them how I think they should would look good. So I have that in my head first before I actually start pulling them out of the pots because you don't want them to be out of a container too long because they will dry out and it's just a little more stressful for them. So it's a good idea to know where you want to place your plants within that container. Plants are kind of like fish. <laughs> they can be outside in the air for a little bit uh -huh. and put them back in the water and they swim off. But right. if they dry out hardly at all, mm -hmm. it starts to affect their outer skin or there's outer roots right. and it starts to stress them out more. So mm -hmm. leave your plants exposed as little time as you can. Right. Right. Think of them as fresh fish. You just mm -hmm. pull out of the lake okay. and you'll probably have more success. I'm just talking <laughs> to the fisher, the guys out there. Ah! And that's else the fisher women out there. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is when you pull them out of those pots, loosen up those roots yeah. because they've been growing in those, those smaller containers and the roots are kind of just going around themselves really good idea to loosen up. I always call it massage the roots. Ooh, I like it. Spa <laughs> treatment for your plants. There you go. So loosen them up so that they're no, not real tight. That'll help them root out better as well. And then uh, when you get them all done and potted, water with your root and grow because that's going to help with that transplant shock. Uh, it's just a real mild fertilizer in there. It's a great product. Yeah. So I hit them with the root and grow and then I sit back and I enjoy Smell the my flowers. Yeah. yeah. So some fresh soil, mm -hmm. some aqua boost crystals, some all purpose plant food. 
And water men lastly for transplant shock root grow. You got you it. Catch it all. You were listening. I was. <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at that. Raising so many daughters, been married so long. I've I've, I've gotten better. Oh, I thought you just learned how to tune us out. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> okay. So we've got Harold Waters. An interview with him I dug up from a couple of years ago on fruit trees. Come up after this. So don't change that dial. Super interesting. Right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion Plants for March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heaths, Rosemary Creeper, Prescott Pansies, and Fanciful Forsythia. Fanciful forsythia is a gorgeous spring shrub that explodes with masses of solar yellow flowers, followed by shiny green leaves. Every home should have one for sheer beauty, fall color, and gentle natural care. Shop the brightest spring bloomers in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com in Prescott. Oh no, my pine trees look terrible. Never fear, Plant Protector is here. Plant Protector? From Waters Garden Center? My super strength protector destroys pine scale, bark beetle, and aphids. Just water into this oil and your trees are protected from the inside out for the year. Thank you, Plant Protector. You can always find Plant Protector at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. And we are back with The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane. But I also have another guest in the studio. He's actually a the founder of Waters Garden Center, Water, Harold Waters. He started the garden center back in the early 60s. But he's been farming and growing and landscaping throughout the county, throughout the North Country, really, for many, many decades, still actively gardening. But he was sharing some stories here in the garden center with uh, how he grows fruit trees. I thought, that's fruit trees. We, we need that information. How do we – Harold's a very productive, very – I mean – very productive fruit tree grower. Can we bleed some of that information out of his brain and share it with you, Harold? Welcome to the, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Ken. You set the stage well enough for you. <laughs> you did it. We want to brain suck you. You got to get all that garden info out. Okay, and, now uh, I got to live up to that. <laughs> okay. and you better be inspirational too. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, but you've grown fruit trees. I mean, you've got apple trees and cherry trees, and I. You know, I love plants. And it's just I had to I had to have fruit trees and berry plants and try them. I've learned a lot over the years. I'm still learning. So, it, but it's been exciting. My my inner goes way back a long time ago. I was raised in northern Ohio. My neighbor had a large orchard, and I used to follow him around there as a little kid, watching him prune the trees and also grafting trees and budding the trees wow. and doing things like that so i just he gave me a love for it and i still do have it. yeah you still I can, I, you still have a passion for plant of course yes you would this has been your lifelong this is your legacy we just happen to be second generation taking it on and hopefully have a third generation coming through as we yes. keep that legacy going we'll see nope i'm not going to push it on her but <laughs> i think she's got a strong propensity for 
Right. We'll see how she does. Where did you, when you started Fruit Trees in Northern Arizona, Ohio's great, but Northern Arizona, what are some of the secrets to having better fruits that you've found over the years that maybe listeners could, could take and, and use this season to, to have better production? To start with, probably choose the right kind of fruit. In that respect, I mean, apples are, and pears will tend to be the best producers here. And right underneath that, close to that, are peaches. And then cherries fall underneath that. And then apricots. Very seldom do we get a good crop, but what you do is a huge bumper crop. Yeah. And nectarines are just beautiful tree. And, <laughs> and sometimes blossom. you'll have fruit. But yeah, once in a great, <laughs> great while. But the key to it in, in most varieties is look around and ask people who have fruit trees. Talk to them. Talk to your nursery person and say, you know, which one tends to be the best man? Like, for instance, we found that a golden or yellow delicious, same tree. It has such a huge crop of blossoms on it that when it gets frozen, there's almost always some more blossoms or yeah. some more fruit that will set on it. And it's just a great tree. You know, you buy a Golden Delicious in the store, and they're not usually that tender or juicy, but a homegrown, ripened on the tree, Golden Delicious apple is absolutely delicious. You could let them hang on the trees to get completely ripe and make homemade applesauce with them. Pick them early and make pies with them, and you can pick them when they're just right for eating off of the tree. You know, you can't make them. Help my mouth water here. Yeah. And, <laughs> and a golden is an excellent producer, not only a good producer, but it's also a good pollinator for red and quite a few of the other yeah. apple trees as well. So I think your delicious choice. varieties cross pollinate Honeycrisp to Jonathan's right. to Gravitstein's to most of the other fruit trees. And that simplifies things. These are the little things that I learned. Really, I learned a lot of this from other local people around here and listening and, and talking with them. They shared with me and I really, really came along. You know, about the Stella Cherry. Well, that was just something I happened to stumble onto that was such a productive variety of cherry. You know, it's, it's one that does so well and I was a surprise to me. Now, any secrets on, on fertilizing, pruning, carrying cherry? Any insider tips on how you take care of your trees that maybe others have not quite figured out yet? Okay. That starts with the tree is young. If you plant the tree yourself, you could trade it very well yourself. And you start, when a tree is young, you could really pour the fertilizer to it because you want to get growth on it. You want yeah. to get some size on it. And then, but you, during those years, you will shape it and thin it and develop the branch structure on it. In the first two years, you probably have it. Now, I notice in the nursery now that you get trees in, larger, older trees, and these trees have been what we call worked already. They have had a, a skilled person in the nursery taking care of them, developing the branch structure. And so fruit trees is not as difficult as it used to be. I still i am firmly convinced that it's worthwhile to buy a container-grown fruit tree rather than a bare root like we sold for so many years. You gain a year to two years growth, and the tree is automatically a year to two years older when you buy it in a can than it is when you buy it bare root. Yeah. And do that. But the better selection gets better all the time, really. I mean, there's so many fruit trees back there now. I mean, there must be 20, 30 varieties of yeah. different kinds of fruit trees. Right. They're just more, there's more choices. It's easier to find product, get different farms to come down. Trucking's been easier. So you can up the size and up the varieties of fruit trees more than we used to be able to. Right. Even 10, 
15 years ago. Yeah. Don't be afraid to try some new varieties. When you see something in nursery that looks good, you know, it's worth trying. Almost every kind of fruit that's grown today produced is produced because people like it. It has a special flavor. Uh, it's a highly productive tree, whatever the situation might be. So you could hardly go wrong with most any of the varieties of apples today. Yeah. There's a few that are meant for a little bit warmer climates, but uh, for the most part, those are a little hard to find in Prescott area. Yeah. Now, can Arizona. I just ask, what is your favorite apple tree you got have you found one over the years or can you narrow it down to one or maybe two (laughs) the favorite i have two favorites i have the golden delicious we already talked about yeah and because you can use it so many ways and then i i love a jada gold apple that is an outstanding flavorful apple it performs well in prescott um it is just a good eating apple I like it because it's the best eating apple I think there is out there. So you there. like the yellow or the golden apple varieties well, it's, it's, more than reds? Well, that apple, is, despite its name, is really more red than it is gold. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it's a mottled skin, yeah. and it's more yeah. red than gold, but it's a cross between a Jonathan and a Golden Delicious. I okay. guess that's what it would be. Yeah. And uh, it has just been an all-star performer. It is, when you go to the grocery store, Look for golden or for Jonah Gold and try and find them where they're pretty ripe because yeah. they definitely are better when they're ripe. Yeah, it's a challenge with all fruits. Yes, they it pick is. them so early that so for shipping reasons, yep. they don't have time to get that last little bit of sugar and so they taste totally different. You pick them right off the tree than in the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honey crisp, whatever they are. Do you have a favorite peach? Uh, Alberta, late Alberta, Rio Oso Gem. These are two common good varieties, and there's not a lot of difference. Some people will just pick varieties that they maybe grew back in Hoboken, New Jersey, or something like that. Yeah. And they get out here and they want to try it. It'll probably do okay, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. Now, you keep your trees pretty small. I mean, yes. you don't let them go. And you were sharing how you summer prune. Share that info okay. so we can... Kent's talking about summer pruning here. This is an important thing that we've learned in recent years. Instead of doing our pruning of fruit trees like we did for generations, uh, years, pruning in the spring, we prune, we do some pruning in the summer. Now, this would be late July, August, September. And the tree is starting to slow down in its growth then. And when you prune it then, it, it you don't get those big, sprouts like when you prune in the spring it stimulates the tree and it makes to want to make long sprout growth and it sort yeah. of undoes what you've done yeah well by with some summer pruning and shaping of the tree during that time you can keep the tree down if you're like me you're a little bit older more mature and maybe your wife is complaining don't get on the step ladders <laughs> don't get on ladders you keep the tree down in the smallest size possible yeah. with this summer pruning. what's a what's a height you like to keep them down at I probably will keep them because I'm not really as aggressive as I should be. I will keep them probably under eight foot. Yeah, under eight. Yeah. If you're uh, aggressive, how how short could you keep them? Yeah, and I also try and plant semi-dwarf. Gotcha. That helps with that problem. That is a big help if you can get the semi-dwarf. So you're taking those long suckers that shoot up in spring, you're taking those off to keep that growth down, usually in July, August, 
September, yes. somewhere in there. I don't I take right. them clear off. I'll cut them clear back. Oh, okay. I may only leave a sprout that's two foot long or longer. I may only leave six inches or something like that on there. But that tree the following year starts setting blossom buzz on that little six-inch nice. piece you like. Yeah. Harold, great advice. Good insider tips on how to keep trees down in your favorite varieties. been listening to Harold Waters here on The Mountain Gardener. Be right back. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden Companion Plants of March are Oklahoma Redbud, Mountain Heat, Rosemary Creeper, Fanciful Forsythia, and Prescott Pansy. Prescott Pansy's giant three-inch flowers thrive in extreme March gardens. Large velvety blooms dazzle with radiant colors of blue, violet, yellow, and variations of stripes that look like smiling faces and love being planted in March. Shop the brightest spring flowers in-store or online at watersgardencenter.com. In Prescott, gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. So had a garden class yesterday, and the big question that came up with the students that were there is, when do we, when do we turn the irrigation on? Do I, is it time to water? What do we do? Let me just cover that just really quick. It's a bit premature. I mean, obviously you're putting lettuce in. It's going to be sensitive. You want to water it in really well. Put new pansies or snapdragons or kale, a new tree. You need to water it in really good, but they're not actively using water. And mainly, they're not the ground the ground is not warm yet. The nights are, are relatively cool, and so the soil is staying moist longer. So there isn't this pressure. You know, in June, July, August, the soil is very warm and it's it's there's prevailing wind. Things are drying out faster. Plants are actively growing, using things. So the pressure's off. I would say right now, water every, your trees and shrubs that are naturally out there already, every 10, 14 days, right? About every 10 days seems to be about right. Depends on the moisture that we get. We've got a couple, a little bit of moisture a couple weeks ago. So, but your flowering containers, yeah, maybe your every five, seven days is about right. Again, that changes, it flexes as we start to warm up, but the pressure's off. Really, once the entire landscape is, is in bloom or starting to flower, that's your cue to turn the irrigation on. That's probably going to be about April. Okay, we're, we're, we're a couple weeks away. So it's the things that you're seeing the leading edge, but we're not actively, everything is not actively growing right now. As soon as those fruit trees form some fruits, it's critical to get that irrigation right. As soon as you see that new uh, foliage coming up on those lilacs, forsythias, flowering quince, uh, these early spring bloomers, when the uh, rhododendrons are in full bloom, you got to get that irrigation right. 
When that starts to happen, for through spring, about once a week, a deep soak is really good for those. That'll keep that, that hydration into the flowers, into the fruits, into that new foliage, so that it doesn't it just doesn't stress them out. What happens is if they get dry at the root level, as they're flushing new growth, it will affect the size of that flower, how long it blooms. It'll affect the size of the foliage. So the flowers will stay smaller because you missed a watering back in the spring. For now, through the end of the year, those leaves will stay smaller. So you really want to, the cue is once you've got it actively growing, that's when you want to activate that irrigation. And about, for established things especially, Things have been in for a year or two. Those that's once a week, a deep soak, it's good enough for trees and shrubs, big vines. Flowers are gonna be different. There's, you know, you might be watering every two, three times a week. That's because they've got smaller roots. But the the don't, I find that people tend to overwater, they they get the frequency wrong. They're watering every day, but not very deep. We need to reverse that and water real real deep, but not that often. That's going to create a healthier plant for you. But right now, I would say don't feel like I've got to turn my irrigation. Get it all ready. Tune it up. I think in a couple weeks, you'll be doing that. We are we are ready. We, got, we always get one last snowstorm. Sometime in the next two, three, four weeks, there's a one last hurrah. You're thinking spring's here, and then it goes, whoop, it happens. So, so don't feel rushed. Make sure you're planting spring-loving plants, things that can handle the snow, the cold. They don't, they, you don't want to be tricked. You don't want to plant crepe myrtles. You don't want to plant the summer-blooming things right now. Plant the spring-loving things. Don't plant geraniums now. Don't plant zinnias. They like the summer. Don't plant tomatoes, for goodness sake, for the love of gardening. It's too early for those to go out. There are so many great things you can plant right now. Focus in on those. That's where it pays to talk to a good gardener, a neighbor. Know your local nursery. Talk to them. They'll they'll guide you in. They don't want you to make a mistake. I, I want every... These are my babies. I want every single plant. I mean... I, they're per, I name them. I pray over them. I, I want you to be successful with them. So you know, talk to your garden center. They'll help you out. The colors of spring are bursting at Waters 60th Spring Open House. COVID is over with a record number of Waters farmers showing off their newest, brightest flowers all weekend. Friday, we show off this year's showiest plant introductions. Saturday and Sunday is impromptu garden classes, plant garden giveaways, and drawings. Join the garden fun at Waters Garden Center's 60th Spring Open House, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, March 11th through 13th. 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.